Have you ever wondered, is there more to the Word of God than just words on the page? Join us for an in-depth journey into the truth of God by means of open, Socratic conversation. In Proverbs chapter 2, the Word of God says, If you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Welcome to Hidden Treasures Revealed. Well, good Tuesday evening to everyone listening and those listening in the future. Hidden Treasures Revealed is back on the air. We've had a week in between our last podcast and back here with you. And this is really neat. This evening, I've got my brother Josh back with me from the gathering. Uh, Phil is not going to be with us literally in the room tonight. He's not feeling too well. So Josh is going to be here with me tonight. And to start off, Josh, how was your day today? Good day. Um, you know, there's always a opportunity for growth and moving past certain things that come up. So just opportunity today for sure. And making a statement, whenever you say it's going to come back to you, making a statement to someone I work with, like, guys, I'm just tired of hearing complaining. Can we just make it through the rest of the shift without complaining about anything? Thank you. And as soon as it came out of my mouth, I'm like, that's complaining. And I was like, okay. So I just was pretty silent the rest of the shift and just continued to work as normal and was like, yep, thank you. So just whatever you say, just realize it's going to come back to you at some point. Make sure you're pointing the finger back at yourself first and looking at yourself and where you're correcting your behavior before you speak on anybody else's. Well, it's what we've talked about in our gathering and um, Tori with our gathering likes to say the golden rule that if you see it in somebody else, make sure that you're diligent to bring it back to yourself first so that you're not being a hypocrite, that you're not pointing the finger and not even considering the big issue that you have. So definitely practice just like with anything, the more we practice anything, the opportunity we have to improve practice should be something that in faith that we really want to do. It's a part of the process. Uh, repetition is <clears throat> the way to get something from your mind into your heart that you've got to have that repetition over and over again. But we want to make sure that that repetition, the repetition, excuse me, that we do is based in truth and based on continual growing and learning and application. And as Yah does, they will bring things to mind when you're looking for them, when you ask for them, just like the asking, the seeking, the knocking. And I had actually a concept, actually a statement on something that came to mind today. And with that, I was in my mind, I was thinking, okay, well, we'll, we'll start the podcast with that because that it makes sense. And we can talk about that. And then don't know why this is, but when I'm in the bathroom, in the shower, ideas come to mind, maybe because I'm getting clean and clean thoughts from y'all are coming in. So I had a concept, a a question come to mind, and really it was a, a concept in the Word of God that came first, 
and then the question after that. And that's where we're going to begin this evening, and we'll see uh, where Abba, Yeshua, and Mother want us to go with this, and we'll go where they want us to take it. And I don't know if anybody out there has thought about this recently, or you may not have thought about it, but was thinking about the story of Messiah and his crucifixion, and not just the crucifixion, but the thieves that were with Messiah. And I'd watch one of those shorts, I think it was either on Facebook or YouTube, and I had a pastor somewhere, and I don't remember what it is or where it was, but it was kind of this premise of being kind of dumbfounded or in shock on what was it that the thief on the cross found? I mean, what did he find that was just so simple? It's like, he's just there and you're going to be with me in paradise. Like, what did he do to figure this out? Like, are we making this complicated? Are we like, what is it? And it wasn't a premise of from, and I haven't, I didn't watch it in detail or really evaluate it, but just from a discernment and just looking from just watching the video, it didn't seem like, gosh, I really, what was it? You know, Josh, what was it about that, that he figured out it was, what is it that they figured out? What are we missing? Gosh, he had it almost like he had it so easy. Why we make it so difficult? And it wasn't really a quest. It was more of just like, we're just kind of dumbfounded. Like we, we can't figure it out. There's no way to figure it out. And no, there is a way to figure it out because there's a reason that this is in the Bible. There's a reason that this is coming to mind because with the stories that are in the Bible and just what's written in the Bible, isn't all of the word of God. The, the word of God is every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. They speak to you. They bring information. They bring revelation. They're living and active. They're eternal that yes, there's their word is written down. Their words are written down, but the word of God is forever. It's eternal. So we don't depend on a book. We depend on, yeah, now their words are in the book, but where we are, we depend on the word of God. And that is through discernment, through you asking questions, Yah verifying. Sometimes they'll say, yes, this is what it is. No, this isn't what it is. Sometimes they'll be silent and say, okay, you figure it out. You discern it. We'll give you scriptures for you to discern. And this is one of those circumstances. When we look at stories in the Bible, Messiah being crucified, Cain and Abel, Noah and the ark, Joshua, Moses, the Red Sea being parted, all these things, they're not just there for you just to say, oh, look at that. What a great fable. What a great story. Well, they are great stories because it's a way for you to learn about what the people of God did, didn't do, what Yah is looking for people to do, how they led the people. And this is one of those situations. So when you're looking at the the word, be really diligent and look and what is it about this for me to learn? Because if it wasn't supposed to be there, Yah has all the power that that story is not going to be there. It's there for a reason. And I'm not going to sit here and say that I have the, I don't have the absolute 100% depth to the perfection of it, of what it means, but I have information on what it, some information from Yah on what this is about. And the way that the starting tonight is, which thief are you? And people may say, well, 
well, I'm not a thief because those are the thieves that they committed robbery and murder and, and they deserve to be, and these are just thoughts people could have. They deserve to be crucified because they're a thief, they're a robber that I've accepted God. I've accepted Jesus as my Lord and savior. So I'm with him. So for example, I used to be a thief and now I'm not. So I'm, I'm this or I'm that. And everybody, before you have circumcision of the heart, that you're a thief, you're a murderer in your heart because you're a sinner, that you've broken the law of God. We have Messiah in the center who is the sinner, okay? And we have a thief that is on the left side, and we have a thief that's on the right side. Now, I looked this up in the Word, and I actually verified this with Yah because it wasn't in the Word, specifically where it says that the one... And for those who may not be familiar, I'll just give a brief synopsis. When Messiah was being crucified, they had many people that were going by him and hurling insults and saying things against him. And there were two thieves. There was a thief that was being crucified on his left side and a thief that was being crucified on his right side. And we have an account where one side they said, for example, you're the son of God you're the king. If you're the king, then get us down, save our lives and save yours too, because you're God. You have the power. You can do anything. So why don't you bring us down off this cross just like you? Why don't you take yourself off the cross? That That's the best thing. <clears throat> and again, I'm just giving information that they're, hey, get us down too. If you're the son of God, then you can get us down and take yourself down. On the other side, we have the thief, the other thief, who rebukes the others and says, hey, and not necessarily we, but I deserve to be here. I'm guilty of what I've done. This man here, Messiah, he's not guilty. He's innocent. We're the ones that are guilty. Stop hurling insults. Stop rebuking him. You ought to think about why you're here. He's innocent. And he doesn't turn to Messiah and say, Lord, I deserve to be here take me down off this cross. I don't deserve this. Please, please take me down with you because we don't deserve to be here. No, he says in humility, Messiah, just remember me when you come into your kingdom. I, what can I give to you? I'm the one that's guilty. Just, just remember me. I'm not, it's just a request. He wasn't demanding. Well, you, you better remember me because I'm no, just, I'm just, just remember me. That's all I'm asking for. We don't have a record of that he says to the other side, get away from me at this point. But on this side, he says, surely I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. There are instances in the word where we have literal things that happen like that literally happened. We have the book of Revelation. We have different stories that have that are metaphorical, meaning that we have a, <clears throat> a picture a spiritual picture that really like a parable that you have the physical parable, but the spiritual understanding is hidden in the, the truth is hidden in the parable that you really have to discern to, to figure it out and think about this. And people will say, and again, things that I've just heard in the world, people can be on their deathbed. And does somebody believe in a deathbed conversion? Can somebody accept God right before they die? And I'm not going to sit here and say that somebody couldn't be on their deathbed and they couldn't be converted. Uh, I'm not going to, because as long as somebody has breath in their body, 
and there's opportunity, then there's opportunity for salvation. Even just like the thief that I'm sure that he didn't wake up that day and say, you know what? I didn't realize I would be crucified right now, but now because I'm being crucified, now I'm going to make a decision for God. We don't have anything about, I accept you, God, as Lord and Savior. I'm, I'm going to do these things. It's just in his moment of brokenness, he reached out. Hey, I'm broken within. I have nothing to give you. You're the one that's right. I'm wrong. Please remember me. I, I, there's nothing I can do or say. There's nothing. I can't get myself down. I'm going to die. Well, there was mercy in that, but there was turning a turning to Messiah. And <clears throat> it's important because you're going to be one or the other in regards to these two thieves. You're either going to be the thief that was on his left side, and I verified with Yah that the thief that he said would be in paradise with him was on the right side. Now, even through discernment with that, we have other areas that confirm that information, not just because Yah says, yes, that's what happened, but because of the word. We have when Messiah enters the kingdom, we have a, a picture of the spiritual aspect of Yeshua and Abba with David that come at, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Well, sit at my right hand, the sheep and the goats. We have a picture that goes that speaks of actually the story of the thief on the cross, the sheep and the goats at the final judgment to those on the left who are cursed, get away from me to those that are on the right side, the sheep, he talks to them, the sheep are on his right side. <clears throat> so the right side has a picture of those that are with God and the left side that those are not. So people may look at this and say, well, no, this is just a story of the thief, and, and we know that he's going to be in heaven. He doesn't say that he's going to be with him in heaven. He says, you're going to be with me in paradise. You're going to go to Abraham's side to have opportunity to, well, actually go into the ground, that Messiah would go into the ground and take those with him to Abraham's side. Abraham's side is paradise. And then you have the side of torment. So you will be with me in paradise, which is you're just in the holding place of the faithful that died in faith until the great white throne judgment, where when it's all said and done, that that's the picture of the sheep and the goats, that those on my right side, I'll say, you who are blessed of my father and my mother enter into the paradise. And what's interesting, Josh, about this is there's two sides to this. And... In order to find the fullness of faith in God, you've got to be start on one side and get to the other. Because everybody that is born into this life will die. Every person will be crucified. You are either going to be the thief on the left, that because you didn't find faith in God, you're hurling insults. It's about selfishness. It's about what you want. And you're going to... Lord, Lord, didn't I do all these things in your name? Didn't I cast out demons? Didn't I did all these things? You're either going to be that or you're going to be the thief on the right side that realizes who they are, that they deserve crucifixion. They deserve hell, but they're going to be spared hell because of faith in the son. Just like, please just remember me. I'm, 
what can I do? All right. Well, you'll be with me in paradise. And the two differences are on two different concepts. And this is what came to mind with this. And we were just talking about this in the gathering recently. One side is obligation. The other side is submissive. If you're doing what you do because of obligation, because you feel like you have to, you have to fulfill the law, you have to be good enough, you have to do this to be pleasing to God, then you're doing it based in works. And you're cursed because you did it because, well, I did it because I had to, because the word of God says it, because the Bible says it. Now, there is a time for that. I'm not saying that you don't do things because the word of God says it or because God tells you. We're not removing that. This is a transformation from being the thief on the left to being the thief on the right, and then ultimately to be in him where you embody Messiah here on this earth, where you walk as he did, you walk without sin. And therefore, because you're in him, that's the reason you can enter into the kingdom because you have, you're in Messiah. But this is a huge aspect because you have to start doing it because you have to do it. You have to start an obligation because sin is in your heart and your desire is sin. You're not capable of desiring God in the heart yet. You can only do what you can in your mind to desire God. No, I'm going to desire God. I want to be pleasing to God. Well, you can only do it in your upper conscience. And that's what the ancients in the Old Testament were commended for. Their faith was, I want to do this. I'm going to do this. But Yah knew that because they didn't have circumcision of the heart done by mother, the spirit of God, done in the spiritual, that you still have sin in your heart. So your desire is still to sin, even though in your mind, your will is to do the will of God. That's where you're, you attempt like you want to do it, but you, you've got to desire it in your heart. Like you can start in your mind, I want this, I'm going to desire this, okay? But then you'll sin because the lower conscience went, no, I'm not in agreement with that. I'm not doing that because just like Paul said, those things that I don't want to do, I do. Because in his mind, he wants to be righteous before God, but in his heart, he's not able to carry it out because sin is there with him. So it's a transformation from you start in the have to because... If you don't do these things, I'm going to end up in hell and I'm looking to avoid punishment. So there's, okay, so I'm doing it to avoid hell obligation, but you have to start there because well, I just, I want to be safe from hell because I know I'm condemned because sin is in my heart. Well, but it's to transform from you do it because you have to, because there's an obligation because the law says it, God says it to no. I want to do this because it's what's right to do. That's why I'm going to do this. And you can only do that with the help of God to have sin taken out of your heart where you can actually desire the things of God because your nature has changed to the nature of God, which is submission. Because a lot of this when, and we talked about this before, submission is one of those where you say the word, and I'm not going to blanket this to all women, but a lot of women will hear that because of programming and all right, well, that means you're telling me what I have to do. If it is, and this is men and women, 
if you are doing what you are doing because you feel like you have to, it's not submission. If you're doing it because you're looking for accolades, well, I want, I want a reward. I want people to look at me. I'm doing it to get attention. Submission is about doing it because you want to do it because that's your desire. You can't make somebody submit. You can give them information. You can convince. But the person themselves has to decide that they want to do it and set it in their mind to get into their heart. I'm doing this because I really want to do it. I'm not looking for accolades. I'm not looking for an attaboy. I'm not looking for a good job. I'm not looking for recognition. I'm doing this because it's right to do, and that's why I'm doing it. That is the attitude that Yah is looking for. That's the transference from the letter of the law to the spirit of the law. The letter of the law kills. Obligation, if you're doing it because you feel like you have to, you're going to die in your sin because sin, sin's power is the written code. The written code is in place that the only way you can be righteous is you have to fulfill the whole law. You're obligated to fulfill the whole law. Well, that's too much of a weight for anybody to carry. So when you come to Messiah, my yoke is easy. My burden is light because in me, the ease is you want to do it. Therefore, you want to do it. It's your desire to be obedient to God. Where is sin for you? Because sin is of the written code because that you're condemned because you're a lawbreaker. But it's an easier yoke because you still have work that you do. But when it's transformed from you have to to you want to, it's easier and it's less of a weight to carry. And you tell me you do something that you really want to do, not because somebody told you, not because somebody said, Josh, you should do this. Now, I'm not saying that somebody may not say, hey, Josh, this is from God and I'm, I'm giving you this information to evaluate and you evaluate it and you say, you know what? I agree with this and this is right to do. This is what I want to do. I'm going to do this. I'm not going to carry around a weight of doing it perfectly. I'm going to be diligent and I'm going to go at a steady pace and I'm going to walk in the will of God and I'm going to do the best I can in this. There's still work. You still carry a weight because of being obedient to God, you're going to struggle. You're going to suffer. But the weight that people carry is that obligation that have to, the have to carries the curse, the have to carries the weight, the, well, I guess I have to do this. You're burdening yourself by putting yourself under a perfection standard that you can't carry. The only way that you could be, you could walk by the letter of the law would be, you would have to be perfect. Because the only way you could fulfill the law to the letter is you would have to be God. Only God could do that. Yah's not looking for you to be perfect. They're looking for you to perfect, which means to continually grow and move. But perfecting doesn't mean you're perfected. It's obedience to God means is that you agree with this. You accept it wholeheartedly. You make it your own. And you're going to do it because you want to do it because it's right. What weight is in that? Now, when I say this, this is in a process of practice day by day, little by little. So this isn't a thing where you make this one-time decision. I'm going to want everything that I do to be willful. 
but there's a process to do that. But that's where the rest of God is. The rest is a transformation from have to, to want to. And you would think, well, Sean, that seems really simple. It is. The difficulty is carrying it out because of your programming and the sin that people carry to get to transfer from that. Cause you think, well, why don't do things? Cause I have to evaluate that because if you say the words, well, I have to, yeah, but it's, it's something I have to, we are not saying that obligation is completely removed because you start an obligation because you have to start an obligation because you don't have a will willful desire for God at the beginning because you have sin in your heart because what you desire is what you will submit to. So you're not going to be able to be submissive to something you don't desire. So you're not capable of desiring God at first because you don't know God. All you know is self. Yah knows that they're perfect. So you start an obligation and Yah knows that, but that's not ultimately what's pleasing. What's pleasing to them is you transfer to the life of my son, which my son did what they did because he did what he did because he wanted to. We have in the word, his words, here I am. I've come to do your will, O God. No greater love is this than one that lays down their life for their friends, lays down their life. Not, well, I have to lay down. Well, but if you think you have to lay it down, it's not submission. So it's a transformation from a obligation, which it isn't your will to submission. So the transfer of the law, the law is the law of God. Law of God doesn't change, but it changes from what is your mindset in it? Are you like the Israelites at Mount Sinai? Please just, we'll do whatever you say. Just stop. Do you realize what you just said? You just obligated yourself to the whole law. You didn't have to say that. You could say, you know what? This is God. And I want to be obedient. I'm going to do my best to be obedient to God. Okay. And when you sin, because you're not capable of being without sin right now, then you give a sacrifice. But what Yah was looking for was that heart, that contrite heart, that heart that is broken, that says, what must we do? Remember Peter and, and Acts? They were cut to the heart. They were broken within. What must we do? Oh, you have a, you have a break? Okay. Repent and be baptized into the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, and you will receive the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is circumcision of the heart. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, which really is the baptism of fire where you're fully immersed in mother. But Josh, and I'll, I'll pause here and get your thoughts, but remember when we, we've gone through this process of we go through the gospel message and one part of Yah leads to the other. And before I turn it over to you, I'll share this. Abba at the beginning, repentance. He's the keeper of the law, that he's the terror. Why? Because you're under law. And the law is a terror to you because you fear death. Because you know that you've broken the law and because you're a lawbreaker, the terror is coming. Because you've broken the law of God and you're a sinner and you're going to await punishment because you're a lawbreaker. So you turn to God 
because in your mind with everything, you want to be obedient to God. You want to be pleasing. Okay, then I'm willing to forgive your sins because I see that in your mind, you're doing everything you can because you want to be compliant with my law, even though you're not capable. And we know you can't because you have sin in your heart. You can't be fully lawful the way that we intend because my son hasn't come yet. And we know that. And that's why Yah is patient because they know that. So think about this. So repentance leads you to, because your mindset is you want to obey God, even though you're not capable because of your heart is wicked. Then, then Abba will bring you to Yeshua, who will teach you how to be obedient, which is submission, willful agreement and compliance with God. That's what they're looking for, that you agree with them and that you make their law your own to where now it's a law to you, even though it's their law, but you're making it personal where this is what I want now. Yes, it's from you, Yah, but I want to do this because this is right and fair. Okay. Then he leads you to mother, who is the one that knows about submission. To help you to be walk in submission because your mindset into your heart now is, and that's why we deal with the lower conscience of getting out things that are obligation, replace them willful, because now you have the one that is the picture of submission the submissive wife to the husband that because you're in Messiah, you can now, he teaches you obedience, which is submission to God full. Well, we actually, we were told by God that Messiah's life was pure, loyal submission, which is a willful obedience to God. And then mother will come in because they see that that is now your desire. That because that's your desire, you're willing to give your life willfully to God. Because when Messiah says that no greater love is this than one that lays down their life for their friends, he's not just talking about himself. He's talking about the one that's on the right, that you lay your life down, that it's the attitude of the one on the right. It's that submission. It's that humility that you're doing it because you want to. And what you didn't realize is, is when you do that willfully to God, you're not looking for the accolades. You're just looking to do what's right. You did it to Messiah because that's his heart. That's his mindset. The core of who he is, is willful obedience. You did it unto me because you followed the path. Then mother will, will, and really all of God are willing to say, okay, we're convinced that this one won't turn away. Now we don't know that because there's still opportunity after that you could, but we're convinced that, this one won't turn. We'll give you circumcision of the heart. We'll take sin out of your heart and put it in the body of flesh. And we'll put the nature of God, which is submissive, which is the spirit of the law is willful doing what they do because they want to do it. And you're sealed with the spirit. So now it's about walking in submission to God, which means whatever God brings up, it's from God. That's what I want to do. That's what I'm going to do. And that's the, and y'all just brought this to us recently that when don't just make a flippant decision, just, all right, well, everything's going to be willful now. And well, we want everything to be willful. What we do, we want to really get rid of obligation in all areas. And when I say that it's still, you still have obligations. You go to work and you get a wage. You give somebody something, they give you something in return, something like a contract, like you're not going to get rid of it, but in your mind, and not just you, Josh, I'm pointing at you, but me, that, but you don't have to look at it as obligation. 
when you go to your work, yes, there's obligation because I'm here to get a wage, but I'm going to look at it like, no, I want to be here and I'm going to do the best I can. So I'm not going to look at it as obligation. So to you, it's rest. And to everybody else that's there, it's work and it's torture and it's toil. And all it is, is a mind change. Now it's a mind change, but faith in God is what actually brings the rest. So the rest that Yah is talking about in Hebrews, there's a rest for the people of God. It's a rest from sin. It's a rest from the works of the law. It's because you're trying to be good enough. You're trying to be pleasing to God and it's too much of a weight rest from obligation. I'm the Lord of the Sabbath submission, willful compliance. You don't need to carry around the weight of, because if you're doing something you want to do, you like rock climbing, you like traveling, um, different things, you like grilling and stuff where if you're, you're doing that because you want to do it, where's the burden for you? Where's the work? Yes, you labor, but you rest in your mind. And that's what Messiah is saying. He's not saying that I'll give you rest and I'll just lay a blanket that says rest on it and you just wear it. And no, I'm giving you the ability to walk as I did. Walk with me in the cool of the day. Walk with me in the field, plucking the heads of green. Why are you concerned about all these other things? Just rest. Now, you see a brother or sister that's in trouble. They have, and we'll put it till today. Hey, Sean, I ran out of gas. Can you come out? Nope. It's the Sabbath. Yeah, but on the Sabbath, the it's not lawful to do good on the Sabbath that you don't understand. This is a mindset of my father and I are working even on the Sabbath, but we rest in the mind where you're telling me somebody that needs help. You're not going to help them because you're under this strict written code that says you don't work on the Sabbath. I know what the Sabbath is about. I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. I'm the rest of God. I know what it's about. So, and not that he would say this, like out loud, but who are you to tell me that I don't know what the rest is because I'm making it possible for you to have rest that you can have no guilty conscience. Why? Because what I'm doing is what I want to do. I'm not doing it because I have to, I'm Lord, I'm doing this because I thought if I did this, I got salvation. And if I did this and I did this and obligation, get away from me. You did it to gain something. You didn't get away from sin because you wanted to, because you wanted to be pleasing to my father and mother and me. Get away from me. I don't know you. Oh, but those that walked in willful obedience to my father and mother, hey, enter into the kingdom that's been prepared for you because that's what you desired for. So this whole aspect of this coming up is each person, pursuing faith or not pursuing faith, you are going to be crucified. You're going to struggle and suffer in this life. You're going to carry your cross. But have it mean something to where you can find that fullness of faith in God. And don't be one left out. Lord, Lord, I thought, because think about it. I thought I did all these things like you didn't really know. You didn't really understand what you were doing. You just thought that you would do this and you would gain something. And he says, no, you didn't get away from the obligation of it. You did it just to gain something, to gain salvation or to escape hell. You didn't do it because that was truly your desire. So even as he says, get away from me because you practice lawlessness. You weren't looking to do what is right. You just wanted something from me. Just, you could even look at it like a prostitute. You just wanted to use me for something and just kind of throw me to the side. And well, I did all these things just to, to get this. And 
not that people are going to, but they'll know it then, uh, but didn't know it at the time. But in Joshua's, we would say just, I've been talking a little bit here, but just, there's just so much information, but that's really the premise of this is the journey of faith starts in obligation and is to transfer to submission. And that's really the transfer from the old covenant to the new covenant that those in the new covenant walk by faith in the son. It's a willful thing. And as in the beginning that they did do it out of obligation, there was obligation tied to it that they were under law, but now it transfers from the have to, to the want to. So any thoughts that you have, I'll turn it over to you at this point. Just the way mother works, what you presented to start out with the thief on the cross, both sides. Um, Monday night, we talked about some of this and just how mother lines things up. So with the aspect of the thieves on both sides. So one is an aspect of he accepted that Yusha was the son of God. Well, you're the son of God. You know, you, you, you're God. Take us down off these crosses. Why? I accept you. And because I accept you, that means you have to accept me. Do what I say. Talked about the mindset of making Yah a genie in a bottle that when we want something, well, I accepted you. So, you know, I've done this. I chose you. So no, that's not how it works. If I accept a lifestyle, it's a lifestyle change, which means for the rest of my life, my lifestyle that I used to live in is now changing from that point forward. Um, we talk about this with, you know, Anna, my wife, massage therapy, stretching, we both work out, things like that, eating differently, dieting. Why doesn't dieting work? Because dieting is designed to do it for a period of time to get a result and then go back to a way that you used to eat. So anytime someone asks me about losing weight or trying to gain muscle or whatever that is, I tell them I don't have a perfect answer for that because I struggle with that as well because food's good. Sugar is good and it's very bad for you. So there's a balance with that. I tell people don't go into it with the mindset of dieting, go into it with the mindset of I'm going to change this lifestyle of mine. I'm not going to drink four sodas a day. I'm going to limit myself to one soda a day. And that's for the rest of my life. <clears throat> so the aspect of acceptance, it starts with us on our side. And it's not, oh, I accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. And now I'm yours. No, I accept the lifestyle that you chose to live as an obedient child to a father in submission and mother and that lifestyle. Okay. Eat of my flesh, drink of my blood, become that lifestyle that I've given you an example of. Well, that's really hard. Yes. You know why that's hard? Because you have to sacrifice your lifestyle to live the lifestyle of Yusha. That is your act of worship. And by doing that, you're proving worthy of what Yusha proved himself worthy of. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. That mindset, you're a 
child of Yah first. And there's scripture to back this up was a beautiful gift from mother, which I'll get into in a little bit. But going through this mindset, if you don't start off as a child of Yah, learning and storing up the commands of a father and mother inside of you to understand what you're accepting, what you're living, what you're doing, how can you truly say that you desire them? How can you truly say you want to spend eternity with them? Do you know them well enough to say, yep, I want to spend eternity with them? And we talked about this with Anna and I when we were here, that the aspect of marriage is a similar concept. You rush into a marriage sometimes because of the feel-good emotion and the drive, the fantasy aspect of, oh, it's going to be so great and it's just going to be like hanging out all the time and it's going to be awesome and the warm, fuzzy feelings. And well, yes, there are benefits of marriage. There are things that last, but the amount of sacrifice and pushing through and struggle that takes place for those pleasant moments, you don't think about that before you make that decision. It's one of the reasons why the divorce rate is so high. That decision of this is for eternity with my wife, no matter what, it's a lifestyle change. I'm no longer Josh. I'm now a husband. And last night talking about this with um, Sergio and Edward, the scripture came to mind when I was a child. I thought as a child. I was just saying to speak closer to the oh, microphone. Sorry. Sorry. So the scripture that came to mind last night was totally given and directed is when I thought as a child, I reasoned as a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. That entire scripture is preferenced with Corinthians 13 of love. If I'm sounding gong, clanging cymbal, speaking all these things, doing all these actions, saying all this, this wise words, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. Why? Because without the love of Yah, the grace and mercy given, the sacrifice, the marriage bond of love, doing what is absolutely best all around for everyone in that situation, there's nothing. You become an aspect of works and not grace. So just seeing those things tie in with what we're talking about now, that we don't talk about, at least in the Christian aspect, we never talked about what you're going to give up for God. We never talked about how hard this is going to be. We never talk about you're going to completely change who you are from this moment forward. Do you truly want to do that? Well, the thief on one side, no, I don't want to do that. I just want to continue to live my life. Save me. Let me continue to do what I'm doing and I'll be fine. The other one is, this is who I am. I can't change who I am. I know who you are. I see who you are. I'll never be you. You're perfect. I'm not. Will you please just remember me and have pity on me? Oh, absolutely. Do you, do you want to live the life that I've lived? Because you recognize the life that I've lived. You see the sacrifice that I'm making. You understand the concept. You're accepting that upon yourself because of the heart that you have 
of the desire to be with me. Wow. Okay. For eternity. You desire this kind of lifestyle for eternity. And that goes to anybody that has circumcision of the heart. We've proven that to Yah to gain circumcision of the heart. You have multiple aspects that go through the testing, the trials. Why? Because there's breaking points through all of those aspects before you get to circumcision of the heart. Because once circumcision of the heart happens, it's far worse for you if you decide to turn away. So Yah is letting you know out of grace. You want this more than anything else you've ever wanted in your life. Even to the point of you're going to sacrifice every part of you before this happens. And you're going to know that you're doing it willfully to the best of your ability. And when that takes place and you've sacrificed every aspect in your mind, then you can have circumcision of the heart. And now this lifestyle that you fought so hard for can become a reality and you can start to see growth in it. And that is a gift. It's still sacrifice, but now it's willful and it's so much more desirable. Well, and just going with what you said, if with it being willful, it is of the desire because in James, the word of God says, and, and we were actually, me and Phil were talking about this last night. The scripture came to mind in James where it says when desire, well, when, let me get this right. When desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin when it is full grown brings forth death. Now there's another side to that. Righteousness when it's conceived, and let me get, because I had the reverse of this. When desire for God is conceived, it gives birth to righteousness. And righteousness, when full grown, which moving on to maturity, brings forth eternal life, which is, like you said, salvation. So it's on both sides, but think about it. When a, a man and a woman come together to conceive a child, that there's a union there. So when it's conceived, when it's planted in the heart, then it can start growing now with sin out of the heart, then righteousness can start in the heart. And when full grown, that's why when circumcision of the heart, if you blaspheme mother, that it's starting to grow. And what you're saying is you want the nature of God cut out of you and removed from you. And it's blasphemy because the only way that you wouldn't accidentally out of ignorance do that, it would be willful. And when it's willful, then you know, because you're enlightened. Now we're knowing like we're convinced because we know we don't sin. We don't have a guilty conscience, but when you do it, if in order for you to, and that's why when people I've seen at times, um, Christians will people that get concerned that they've committed that unforgivable sin, if you're crying and weeping and I'm just so concerned that you committed the unforgivable sin, you haven't, you've got to have circumcision of the heart. And then it has to be something that with intention that you do. Now you may not, it might be not that you're like, I'm going to blaspheme today. It could be you get frustrated and mad and you blow up and you start cursing God. Oh, I didn't realize. Well, be careful because why, 
would you do that anyway? Because are you complaining? Are you frustrated because you feel like you've been wronged by God or in that you don't deserve this? And then is that really a submissive? No, because Messiah is the example for us to walk in his footsteps. It said when he was being beaten and persecuted, no guile came out of his mouth, no complaining, no. Why? Because he entrusted himself to the one who judges righteously. That's submission. That's what God, what is pleasing to God, because if you take a beating for doing good and take it patiently, this is pleasing before God, like it says in First Peter. But if you take a beating and you deserve it, then you deserve it because you did wrong. But when you do right and you submit, that's what's commendable. And I want to go back to something you said. I, I hadn't thought about this, but you know why diets don't work? Because you're not doing it because you want to. You're doing it because, well, if I do this, then I'll lose the weight. And, and I'm doing it because I have to do this to lose weight. Well, you're obligating yourself to it. And what's going to happen is you're going to get frustrated because there's a lot more to losing weight than physical food. The spiritual weight of obligation that people carry is a crushing weight. So how about learn to let go of obligation through faith in God, transfer from obligation to willful. That's where all the weight that you're carrying, that spiritual weight of worry and anxiety because I'm not good enough and, and I did wrong or am I going to be pleasing to God? Am I going to, and you're, you're carrying all this extra weight. Cause I know with certainty, I'm convinced I've had back pain. I've had like uh, calf pain, different things, different ailments and different times that come to mind, put the weight down because think about it. If you more and more through practice are doing things and you're recognizing with the help of Yah that you're doing things, you're seeing things that have obligation and you've set your mind that you're going to do it because you want to do it and you start making changes. It's such, it, it just alleviates such a huge weight to carry because think about it. You're under the law. You have that law pushing down on you and the law is, it carries weight because it's, it's important. It's the foundation of all things. Well, and Yah says, Hey, not even my son was perfect. He was obedient with all of his heart. He was perfected so that he could enter the kingdom of heaven. But it's not about being perfect because if there was a law that brought perfection, that certainly perfection would come from the law. But righteousness comes by faith, not by works of the law, because the works of the law bring wrath because you're doing it out of obligation. That's if those listening don't get anything more out of this, that you start an obligation which means you have to start in the Old Testament. But to get to the New Testament in Messiah, you transfer from obligation to <coughs> submission. You have to go through the Old Testament first. You cannot bypass the Old Testament and go to Messiah because you can only come to Messiah if the Father draws you. The Father is only going to draw you if you've turned in repentance to him to have your sins forgiven. And that's why John the Baptist was preparing the way for the Lord, that he was preaching repent. He was preaching, turn from sin, get away from it, because one that's coming after me will baptize with spirit and fire. He's going to come and show you how to be obedient to God, but God is a terror. And you're going to end up facing the terror if you don't walk through the gospel message so that Yah can now be a friend 
But the law of God is a terror that, and people think, well, no, I'll just talk to God and we'll negotiate and we'll talk about it. Any sinner standing before a holy God that has a perfect law, which it says in the word that this is the perfect law that brings liberty, that you are condemned. You're, you've broken God's law. I don't care if it's just you did one little lie and you've broken the whole law. It says if you committed one, you've broken the law. At any point, you've broken it all. And you're going to be punished because you're a lawbreaker. Well, thanks be to Yah that by their grace that the Messiah gave his life so that we can have the opportunity for eternal life in him. But I don't think people are, or not that everybody hasn't or people don't, but a lot of people don't recognize or taught that. They think that, well, Jesus did everything. He died on the cross and he did it all. And like you were saying, Josh, that what people do is they, it's the pretense that you've accepted but you've just acknowledged. I acknowledge that you're Jesus Christ. That's who you are. You're the son of God. Okay. But just because you acknowledge that doesn't change anything and be like, well, Barack Obama was a president of the United States. And if you walked up to him and say, Hey, president Obama, and he would be like, who are you? I don't know you. Yeah. You know me. I voted for you when I was, yeah, you know me and no, get away. I don't, I don't know you. I don't have any relationship with you. I don't, I haven't talked with you. I don't know who you are, but if he were to run into somebody that he knows, Hey, Josh, Hey, come on in. I I know you. Well, I know you because you're walking in agreement with my parents that you're walking in the will of God that I can see you walk in obedience that, well, at that point, when it's at the judgment, he'll say, I never knew you because when they stand before him, they will know him. But, like we could say we're convinced, but we're knowing in part. But so much of this, and we talked about this actually at the last podcast about spiritual health and your true health, that there is so much weight people are carrying that you don't even recognize. And you could look at somebody and say, well, they seem overweight or obese, but there's people that you can look at that would be con- considered healthy physically and skinny and in shape. And mentally they're carrying such a weight of depression and anxiety and just frustration and anger and just hiding it, putting on those masks and things. And Yah's preparing a way that it says in the word that there is a rest for the people of God and make sure that you don't fall short of it. That just because you have the rest, like just like, cause we're in this room doesn't mean that it'd be like coming in here and Phil may say you could use the computer and you're like, and you just don't use a computer. Well, you're in the room, you can use it, but you don't use it. Or you come in here and there's water and there's food and you just let it sit there and you don't eat it. And who's to blame? If you're not resting in here, that's your problem, but you're in the rest. Embrace the rest. Cause I was, it came to mind today about embracing the rest. And when I looked up embrace and you'll get a kick out of this (coughs) to willfully and enthusiastically go towards. Okay. Think about the woman that put in everything she had into the offering plate. Y'all loves a cheerful giver. They love somebody that's walks in submission because you're cheerful. I, I want to do this. And they know that you, we have programming that they bring to our attention and, and we change, but that that's the heart after God's own heart that 
I want to be pleasing to you. I'm not looking to, I'm not doing this to get eternal life. I'm not doing this to gain anything. Uh, we were because we didn't want to go to hell, but it turns to, do you think Messiah's like, man, I'm doing this just so I can be now he was, it says in the word, he was looking to the reward, but the reward is his parents and the kingdom. It's not, oh man, I get this kingdom and now I get to relax. You think that Yah's now, meaning that they're relaxed, but they're not just sitting around in lazy boy chairs, just waiting like that. He's on his throne, just sitting there eating grapes and drinking wine. And no, it just means he's in his position of the son of God. Cause that's who he is, but he's diligently and doing things and working. And cause if they weren't, then it would go against who they are. But this is such a, a huge thing because I'm just realizing more and more thinking about this, how many things I've done in my life out of obligation and just realizing, Oh my gosh, I didn't realize how much the weight and even could feel it in my chest. Like even thinking about it, like just taking a deep breath and it's just like, I can feel this weight going away, just setting my mind because I broke in it to where I'm not doing this again. I want to do this. That's what I'm going to do. And I could even find even within that, just feeling the relief of, I didn't realize I was carrying this weight unnecessarily. Just like you're wearing a book bag or something, you got to, you take it off your shoulders and you put the weight down. And that's ultimately what Yeshua was saying is that you've been carrying this weight because you're trying to be good enough and, and you want to be right before God. And in me, it's a mindset of submission that it's not about you being perfect in the law. It's about obedience to God because I'll give an example that came to mind about obligation and submission what's referred to as the rich young ruler. What do I need? What do I need to do to get eternal life? Cause that's what I really want. Now I'm doing that tongue in cheek because that's what I want. Cause I want eternal life. So how do I get it? Well, you know, the commands do these and you'll live meaning that because it's about obedience to God, it's a willful obedience. So you do this and you'll live, you'll get eternal life. But one thing you lack, because Messiah is looking at him in that we'll see where your desire really is. Go take all the riches you have and you sell everything and you give it to the poor and then come back and follow me. Cause certainly you're coming to me as the son of God that I know what it is to get eternal life. I, I can give you the answer. So certainly if that's what you desire that you'll do it. And what did he do? It says that he went away because his desire was riches, but well, can I just add eternal life on top of that? And just, can I get that? What a, like, can I, not that he's even thinking this in his conscious mind, but maybe I can just keep everything I have and there's something I can do just to get it. But think about it. What must I do? Like obligation? What do I have to do? Whatever it is, I'll do it. Well, why are you doing it? Oh, okay. And it, it just made me think if, if you were really obedient to the law, which the son is telling you <laughs> he's from God, he's part of God that sell everything and give it to the poor. Well, certainly if you were submissive to God, the son is telling you that's what I'm going to do. Now, would it be a struggle or like to deal with your programming of selling everything? Yeah, but no, that's what I want. That's what I'm going after. But from the record we have, he went away. Sorry. And we don't know <clears throat> what he did from there. But it just made me think of the difference of follow me. And then the disciples left and followed him, but they weren't perfect in it. And, but 
they were walking in what Yah told them to do the best that they could, that they were, as the word says, they were obeying from the heart, the doctrine that they were given. But and that's the thing is that in <clears throat> this, this isn't meant to sound strange, but Yah's not dumb to where they don't understand the person, the people they created to where we know how the heart works. We know how the mind works, that we know that you're not capable of not sinning until circumcision of the heart, but what you are capable of is righteousness in the mind, not the heart. So what are you doing? Are you willing to circumcise your heart and do what is right or, or no, <clears throat> but none of this stuff is taught. And the key in this and the podcast that we have is, and we talked about this in, in the church gathering, this information that's being given is from y'all. You take it and evaluate it and you weigh it and you look up the scriptures and you look into it and don't just believe this just because we're saying it. Because we're not perfect, Josh, you and I, we can misspeak. And there's times where Yah will allow us to misspeak. And the reason is that when the time is right, we'll bring it to your attention, but don't rely on other people. Rely on Yah. Now the people that follow Yah, follow their example. But as Paul said, follow me as I follow the example of Christ. So look at the example of Christ and follow that and make sure that I'm following it. But <clears throat> if you just take this and you don't evaluate it and you don't ask God to validate and you don't dig into it, then shame on you because you're depending on us. You're not depending on y'all that, no, I'm not depending on you. I'm yeah. But if you're just taking what we say and well, that, that sounds great. I've never heard that. That must be true. No because we could say something and you made a statement I'll bring to your attention. You said, well, and you were just going by what likely could have happened in the theme like, well, I'm looking at you and you're perfect. Well, Messiah wasn't perfect, but oh yeah, you see, he was, per yeah, that's the thief. He said he's perfect. So yeah, yeah. Messiah was perfect. But where in the word of God do we have where it says Messiah was perfect, but see, it's so easy. And, and Phil will point that stuff out to me as like, can you explain when you said that, Messiah was perfect. Oh, I, what I meant was, well, I know what you meant and I know what you meant. You weren't necessarily saying, I don't believe that you were thinking that he, he was perfect, perfected state, perfecting. Right. Yeah, perfecting. So you knew what you were saying, but if somebody says, well, you just said that the thief thought he was perfect. So if he was perfect, how could he die? Cause if he's perfect, then you can't die. And just all this is, is just for information. Cause I've had it for me too, but that's why we take every thought captive because Listen to yourself when you talk because you tell on yourself, well, I'm not doing things out of obligation, but I have to, you have to what? Well, yeah, you know, I mean, you have to do, do you have to, well, you know what I mean? Well, but it came out of your heart. So is there something you're not seeing in this? And because ultimately the ultimate goal is through practice is to get away from obligation altogether and make everything submissive to where you're doing everything because you know why you're doing it and you want to do it. And that's the self-control that the word talks about with the fruit of the spirit, that one of the aspects of the fruit of the spirit is self-control. Well, think about it. If you have sin in your heart, then sin is mastering you. So you can't have self-control. You have really you have self and then somebody else is controlling the self, but the word says, 
sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you. Well, do you desire sin? Because if you didn't, then you would find a way to get away from it. But see, that's the thing. When we're born, we're born with the sin nature. So sin is crouching at our door and we choose sin, not righteousness. So therefore our desire is selfish. That's why you've got to kill yourself, but it's not a suicide. It's a sacrifice. Like you said correctly, we are called to be a living sacrifices to be holy and pleasing to God, a sacrifice, which means a willful laying your life down. Cause when Messiah said, he says, I kill myself for my friends. No, I lay down my life. I mean, I willingly lay it down. Now, Judas committed suicide because of the weight of, he realized that he did that. He pretty much betrayed the son of God, which that's not a place you want to be in the weight of that. Now, could he have had opportunity to repent to God? He would have opportunity, but that's the reason he was chosen because God in their sovereign judgment and discernment that we've watched Judas this whole life. And that's the heart that's going to do this. We didn't necessarily make his heart do that or harden his heart, but because of watching him, he's going to be the one. And therefore he did. And then you realize that you made a mistake and then, well, where do I go from here? Well, I'll just end my life because it's too much to bear. Well, you end your life. And where is I going to put you? Well, that's not submission. That's you're doing it selfishly. I don't want to deal with this weight. So every person that ultimately comes to faith in God and Messiah, you must lay down your life for God, but it's a willful thing. It's not, well, I have to, well, no, then that's not, that's not what I was looking for because Messiah were called to walk as he did that when you willfully lay your life down like Messiah, then your blood will mix with his. And then therefore your sacrifice is accepted because it's with Messiah's. And therefore you're raised from the dead. And the thing is with this, there's so many, there's just so much depth to this, but the, the main point of this is that the walk in faith, there's a transfer from obligation to submissive. And that's where the rest is. Rest doesn't mean you sit around and you're lazy boy and watch TV and you just do nothing. It means it's a rest in mind. It's a mindset. It's a peace in your mind that you walk around and you do things because you want to do them. And the world knows this because there's a quote in the world that people say all the time. If you like what you're doing, you'll never work a day in your life because you go to your job and you like it. It's not work. Like I've heard race car drivers or football players, man, I just, I get paid to run around like I'm a kid when I was a kid running around in the, in the, the school play yard playing football. It's just like, I'm just like a kid in a candy store. Well, it's, they're telling you that this is what I want to do. And I'm doing it. Like you think about this. Can you be a failure in anything? If you're doing something and I'll speak from just in faith, how can you be a failure when you're doing what you want to do? And it's right. There is no failure. It's just learning and growing unless you turn from it because it's all about if your mindset is to be pleasing to God and to be obedient, then the only failure is if you quit faith, if you turn from it, because there, what failure is it? Because everything that would be perceived as a mistake is, I'm just going to learn from this. I'm going to, what can I learn from this? So where's the failure? The failure is in the quitting and you turn from it and you get away from it that people will look at somebody and say, you're a failure. Well, no, no, because success, 
and I've heard this before, success is the progressive realization of a worthy goal. And that's a man definition, but the progressive, which is moving realization of more and more truth. Well, how can you fail? If you're walking diligently in the truth, there is no failure. Well, just more and more things coming to mind as we're talking about this. We talk about there is a point where you're obligated to things of faith, but that has to transition from obligation to willful compliance. And I was thinking about this because sacrifice takes place. And if you are obligating and sacrificing, if those two are hand in hand, at some point, if that does not change, you will breed resentment because you're not truly doing it from a willful mindset of this is what I want to do. This is what I have to do. And if I do this, then okay, you're looking for a reward for it versus with a willful mindset, because you truly want to do it, there is no reward. Your reward is this is what I want to do. And from that point of view, it can be very dangerous for Christianity. I know we've talked about this before that I, you know, I, I come from a Christian background way back. We all do. We same church, <clears throat> same building and the works of faith that they, that, you know, Christians preach about it's, it's you go over and you build a church here, you build this there, you do this there. And then you come back and you get to come back home and, Oh, look at my nice comfy house or my comfortable no, if it's truly a lifestyle change and you really want to build a church, move and live. And I'm not saying there are people that don't do that. And intentions, I'm not negating that. But without the right understanding, it's all meaningless because you're doing it, thinking it's for a goal when because you don't have the right path in place from the start, you'll never reach the destination you're shooting for because you're on the wrong path. Going back to the aspect about a child of God and understanding, we've talked a lot about the steps and one of the very first steps is seeking. And then you have learning how to fear Yah. And I was given a very good example of that. I, I never grew up with a dad. I Five years old is when I lost my father. So I never had a father figure that I could say, oh, that's my dad. I had adult men in my life. I had uncles and things like that. So there's not a ton of these experiences that I remember, but I remember getting in trouble one time and my uncle catching me. I'd stolen something from my grandfather and my uncle caught me and pulled me into a room and said, hey, I asked you point blank if you took this from your grandfather and you said no. Okay. I searched your bag when you were gone and you took it from him. I was like, and in that moment, terror. Why? I knew I'd done wrong. I knew I'd lied. I knew I'd been caught. And that, I don't know how to describe it other than that, can't breathe, can't move, kind of just gripping like what's going to happen kind of feeling came over me. And I remember that moment very vividly. It's never going to go away. That aspect was terror for punishment 
of something I knew I was going to receive. I knew I had done wrong. I knew I'd been caught. And I was now at the mercy of my uncle who handled that situation appropriately. He spanked me, not out of anger, and then said, you're going to go out in front of everybody in our family and return this to our grand, to your grandfather and apologize for what you've done. Again, all those things were a great life lesson. But that aspect should apply to faith. Be like a child. Recognize you're wrong. Admit what you've done. Take the ownership of it. But in those moments, if you don't feel the terror to stop you from moving down that path again, it's all in vain. If you just, oh, I feel bad and I shouldn't have done this, but there's no gripping terror behind it for what you've done, then it's not real fear of Yah. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So if you don't have that, you can't start that path. So becoming a child is just like being a child in our world, physical to represent the spiritual. Doesn't matter what age you are, you have to recognize you're a child in your mind if you're going to start the journey of faith. And for anyone looking to do that, depending on where you're at in your age, we could say it's harder, but again, that goes back to just a mindset change. But as a male in this world, it would be much I think it would be more difficult to be 50 years old and sit there and say, all right, so I'm 50 years old. I have a career. I have kids. And I'm going to admit that I know nothing about what I should be doing with my life. I'm going to look after and seek after faith with all my heart and read scripture to understand what I should truly be doing with my life. And I'm going to base every decision from here on out on what this book says and say that every decision I've made is ultimately wrong unless it lines up with this and then move on that path because that's a new lifestyle change. I look at that and I say that that could, that could be difficult. It, but in reality, it's no more difficult for one than it is for another. That same situation is what you spoke about with the rich man. The master, what must I do to gain salvation? Follow the commandments. I've done all these. Okay. Go and sell all you have and follow me. When are we downcast? Why? Because you love self more than you love Yah. So you haven't followed the commands. Because Yusha knew love your neighbor as yourself. Love Yah better than you love yourself. Because when you die to self, you can truly live for them because they want what's best for you. They're never going to do something in their eyes that would be selfish for them because their selfishness is our gain because they want everyone with them. They wish that none would perish. So their selfishness of wanting the entire world with them is our gain. So ultimately, it's selfless of them because it's a better gift for both. It's what's best for the entire family. We talk about the family unit, the unit represented by Yah. So those are just things that were coming to mind as you were speaking about that and seeing those parables line up 
and the scripture that tied with it, that mindset of a child really stuck with me last night when that was given to me. I was like, wow, that makes perfect sense. Be like a child. Learn how to respect your parents by their rules. What are their rules? What are their regulations to live inside their house? When you break them, do you have that terror that grips you? Do you approach your parents and say, this is what I've done. I'm wrong in it. Whatever you decide, I'm okay with. Whatever consequence you lay out, I'll follow. Oh, obedience, submission. Those are things we can work with. Those are things that are pleasing to a parent. You're willing to take whatever we give you because you truly want to, because you recognize where you're at, because you still want to live in this house and follow these rules and live in this life. Okay. Those are just, like I said, those are things coming to mind as you were talking and discussing. And I was like, wow, that's a lot of insight that's just come up over the last, what, 48 hours. <laughs> so just been interesting. Josh, cause you and I both have come from Christianity. We know what it, what it's about. And you've heard this song or, well, not necessarily a song, but a mindset of, Lord, I surrender all. Okay. If you've ever seen a thief that gets caught in a crime and they're running from the police and they got them all surrounded with all the lights and the helicopters, and then they, they don't want to, but then they, they get on their hands and knees and put their hands behind their back and they say, all right, I surrender. You know, they put the hands up. Okay. Well, surrender is obligatory or obligation obligatory tongue twister um, because you have to surrender. You surrender to the, the story you just said with your uncle that, no, I'm, I'm wrong in this. I, I stop and I've just got to stop. I can't run anymore. Okay. But think about this. All right. Somebody commits a crime and we don't know who did it and we don't have any camera footage. We don't know. And police department is there and all of a sudden somebody comes into the police department. Hey, can I talk to you? Yeah. What's going on? You know, that person that robbed the um, jewelry store and took like all the necklaces. Yeah, it was me. What? No, you're joking. No, uh, here it is. I am. Um, I was wrong in it and whatever punishment you want to give me, I deserve it, but I'm the one that did it. And uh, I, I give you the, I'm the one that's wrong. And I'm never going to do this again, whatever punishment I deserve it. And it made me think of those circumstances that people would say, well, yeah, they surrendered, but it's a different mindset. It's like they submitted to, it, it was a willful choice. It wasn't, you made me do it. And because you cornered me, and that's the difference between the worldly sorrow and the godly sorrow. The worldly sorrow brings death that, yeah, yeah, I did it, but... It, they did it too. And, and you're just upset because I, I got caught and it's not fair. And, th and you made me because when I was a kid, I saw versus the, the other thief, like the two thieves where everybody else is stealing. I just needed food and everybody else is smashing windows and you're catching me and it isn't fair. And I'm going to get an attorney and versus it's wrong. I don't care. I'm not going to make any excuses. I'm the one that stole. I'm wrong. And I deserve this punishment. Please have mercy on me. Well, who likely is going to get the mercy? The one that they're, they're forcing you on the ground and, and get your hands behind your head and you're hurting me. You, you're hurting me. 
but put your hands behind your back. No, you're hurting me, you know, and all this stuff. And, or, wow, you came forward of your own, you're confessing your crime to me. Wow. Because the word says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins because of repentance and is able to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, which is circumcision of the heart. So the confession is so much different than the surrender. Yeah, you've got to, you come to a point where I have to surrender. I've, I've got to stop this lifestyle. I can't do it anymore. God help me. Okay. And that may break you to get you to turn to God and turn to them and, and ultimately repent because you realize that you've wronged God and that because you have the terror, because I had that same thing growing up, like having the terror of my dad punishing me and being under law. And I know that Anna Ruth had the same struggle too, that you feel you put yourself under law. Yeah. But being under law, if you come out of it and learn from it is good because being under law is you see God as a terror. And do I have your attention that I'm a terror that face the terror and submit to the terror so that you can learn that. Okay. Because as a child, if you were to be obedient, let's just say your dad was still living and you're living with your mom and dad and you're obedient to them and you do what they ask, why would there be punishment? Punishment wouldn't be on their mind. Correction that, you know what, we're saying that Joshua is really, he's really doing the best he can. And I really see that he's really, he's doing some things, not exactly what we want, but his mindset is he's going to do right. And we'll give him correction, but I'm not going to ground you. I'm not going to punish you. Now you're defiant. You go to your room and you're not coming out. Well, it's not fair. If I hear it again, then immediate punishment. Well, but we're called to transform from rebellious from God to become children of God, which children of God are to be obedient children. So as Messiah said, yes, let the little children come to me because the little children have to be brought from the father to it's not just, oh, here's children's church. You see, Jesus is saying, here's children's church. I'll let the little children come to the front. And no, no, because even John in his writings, and he says, my little children, that you could be an adult and be a child in faith that you come like a child that you're in terror of your father or the father figure. <clears throat> so the, what y'all gave you is a great example of that you come as a child, but you mature because you, you start as a child, but you don't remain as a child where you depend on others. You still depend on God, but they give you freedom because you're an adult now, just like your parents that you don't live with them, but you go to see them and visit and you talk, but no, I'm not under that authority of your household. Now you're still walking with the authority of God but they give you freedom because you've proven trustworthy that will allow you to make decisions and do things because we're convinced that you're going to do it right, fair, and just. So go ahead and make decisions. But we see you're doing some things. So just maybe hold off a little while or, or evaluate or whatever, but no, it's just like a parent that I want to be able to trust you to where I don't need to be all over you all the time to where if you're really applying what we're saying to do, and you're walking in line with our will, we don't have to micromanage you. We can macromanage. Now, at the beginning for a time, we are going to micromanage. But if somebody's trustworthy, how do I prove that I trust you if I'm on you all the time? 
I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm here with you, but I'm going to be hands off because I'm going to allow you to make decisions because you've proven that you can, you're doing a good job with it. And that's ultimately what Yah wants is that they, and we talked about this before, be still be dependent, but be independent, meaning that you, you walk with them, but you still make decisions. But I had this thought when you were going over the scriptures of um, the rich man and uh, Messiah that he was leaning on his own understanding because he thought, well, the, the law, well, the law is the Ten Commandments or the, the ordinances and regulations of Moses. So, I mean, I've been through those, and as far as I know, I've kept all of that, so that's good enough, right? Like, that's the law of God. Like you said, you keep the commandments. But, and I'll just say it as rich man, but what you're not seeing is this that the law goes deeper than just the written letter, that the true essence of the law is obedience, which is submissive, that if you really had been keeping these from your youth, then you would have no problem with another command. Go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor because I'm the son of God. I'm giving you a command. Am I not the law of God? That I'm the spirit of the law. I'm the, essence of the law itself, which is submission and obedience. So it'd be like if Messiah said, Josh, go quit your job and work here. And you went away, sorry. And because you had many riches and Messiah wasn't, Oh no, Josh, you know, come with me. We don't hear anything. He went after him or you're the one that came to me. And I, I mean, think about that. You're the person that asked him that question and he's telling you what to do. And you're like, because of cognitive dissonance or the brainwashing and mind control. Well, I thought it was about, I kept the commands. I haven't murdered. I have not killed any man. I've not stolen. I've never stolen from anybody, but what you don't understand is the depth of this is that if you steal, have you stealing time from God? Have you hated your brother in your heart? Have you committed adultery by lust that you've already broken the law that you have sin? You're a lawbreaker, so no matter what commandments you think that you've kept, you still need me. <laughs> because think about that. He's, are we going to sit here and say he wasn't a sinner? Of course he was. The rich man. Just, Go ahead. Just on that side note, think about the statement. Teacher, what must I do to gain salvation? If he truly believed he was righteous, he wouldn't be asking. He was looking for validation that he was safe in where he was. You're safe, right? Yeah, I'm safe. You're safe, right? Yeah, I'm From Christianity, we've had that back and forth, and it's the validation. Well, all these people can't be wrong in what they're saying and what they're doing, and I'm, I'm just doing what they're doing. So the numbers speak to me being safe because there's safety in numbers. No. And for someone who understands the law just by the written code to make a statement to a teacher of the law claiming to be the the one from Yah, I haven't broken them. Just by that statement alone, you already know the heart of that individual. Because would the Pharisees even make that statement? Would the Pharisees even say, oh, we never broke a law? Well, based on their understanding, they would think, well, I've kept these 
uh, ordinances and things from my youth, but the law of God is deeper than just this written, written code that's here. And like, like you're saying that when he says, I've kept these from my youth, what does that tell you? You don't understand the depth of this. You think that your righteousness comes from keeping those commandments, but your righteousness comes by faith, which is I'm the son of God and your faith in me is what justifies you. So I'm telling you, this is what you must do. And when you don't do it, what does it matter what commands you've kept from your youth of which you think you've kept? You've already broken the law anyway. That's why I'm here that you can have faith in me so that you can be righteous before God. So you doing those things from your youth doesn't save you. But when he went away, sorry, because like, cause he was testing his heart to where, where's your true desire? Well, your desire is still in your riches. So that's why you're not following me. So if your desire was to get eternal life, then you would do whatever I told you to do because that's your desire. But that just shows that his desire wasn't there at that point. And that's the thing, like with what you're talking about, uh, with starting an obligation to willful, how can you willfully submit to something you don't know or understand? Yah knows that you can't just, you hear it one time and yeah, that that's my will. That's what I'm going to do. Well, no, by what you do over and over is your, your will is what you desire, but you've got sin in your heart. So how could you desire God just on a whim without, you have to have, like you said, you have to have a transference. You have to have a nature change. Like I can, I can make noises like a dog, but, and I could sound, and there's a lot of comedians that can sound almost spot on to someone, but even with a dog or a cat, if you meow or bark, like they'll get startled, but there's just something about the vibration in that, that even though it's close, it's not a dog or a cat because you hear a cat that's outside making noise. Cause our cat Sable, like they hear a, a real cat other than a, a video. And they're just, it's just some about the pitch or even they, um, Lacey will hear another dog barking. But if I bark, it's just kind of like, but I sound just like it. No, there's, it's not the same until you have the nature of God within you. How can you know what it is to really desire them? If you don't break to them to know what their commands are, how can you be pleasing to them to even start a desire to do it? Because it's like you said, you're just trying to avoid punishment. Like was your, no, my true desire is I don't want to steal anymore. So I'm not going to steal ever again. Well, you can start to train your mind that way, but why did you steal in the first place? Desire. I wanted it. Right. Because you wanted what you wanted out of selfishness. But if you had the um, nature of God, no, I'm not going to steal this because I don't want to steal. I'm not, that's not who I am. Like we say, that's not my nature, but see, that's the thing. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's in Messiah. We're a new creation. Well, yeah, it's a new spiritual creation. That is a child of God that can understand the things of God so that you can walk in the ways of God. But before that you're a disobedient child because the word mentions that talking about the children of God versus the sons of disobedience, because you do things out of your nature and your programming. And you're not just going to wake up one day and just be godly. All of a sudden you've got to transform. Like you said, you've got to transform your life. But how do you do that? If you don't know who God is, then when I say, no, you're not learning about God to know more and more about them. Cause you're not going to know them fully yet until you're perfected. But if you don't go to the Bible, if you don't seek God with all your heart, 
it's not possible for you to desire God to be at your will to be their desires because all you know is your selfishness. So you've got to change your mind in order to start desiring the things of God. But how can you desire somebody you don't know and you don't understand it? It's not possible. And that's the thing is, is that because you have sin in your heart, you've got to see God as a terror first, because how are you going to stop sinning if you don't see God as a terror? You're not going to stop sinning because even Yah said in Moses, Yah, I'm speaking through Moses that Yah came to you like this so that you would stop sinning, so that you would stop being disobedient. It's to terrorize you to say, this is a holy God and they're serious and I don't want to be disobedient to them because, but think about it. If you don't know about them, well, I'm not going to disobey because I don't want to be disobedient. That's not right to do. No, you're going to say, he's going to kill me if I break these commands. So I want to avoid that punishment. So I'll do whatever you say. Just please just don't hurt me. Like as a kid, like a somebody that's powerful, they, they threaten you. Just don't hurt me, please. Just I'll do anything. Oh, so you're obligating yourself to me because, and people don't realize this, Josh, but this came to mind. People are attempting to obligate Yah from salvation. Well, I did all these things and didn't I, and then you, you owe me. But see, that's the thing. That's where the resentment is. You yes. owe me. I did all these things. You owe me, God. And I've had subconscious resentment against Shah revealed to me. And it was like, I will never, ever, ever have that again. Because that when you break on that to where you realize that you had resentment towards them, it's like never again. Like, thank you for showing me because no resentment is coming your way anymore. Because anything that I would be resentful towards you is my problem, not you at all. That is never, ever coming out of my mouth again. Now, and there's things that we still don't see. But the thing is, is that be careful because like the word in Hebrew says, make sure that a bitter root doesn't come up to cause trouble, which, well, this is getting hard and I don't understand. And just trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Because if when you lean on your own understanding, you get yourself into trouble. And those listening, be careful that Yah cannot be mocked, that any charge or any accusation you would bring against them would go right back to you. So be careful to do that. But that's the thing with the truth of God and that with the help of Yah that you can just see how many different stories that are in the Bible that spiritually speak to these things that to one you have, because we haven't talked about this before. If you're doing things out of obligation, it's torture. If you do things willfully, it's rest because you think about if you, if you're complaining, you're grumbling, you're frustrated, you feel like you're owed something, you've been done wrong. That I saw somebody say this on a video and we can put this to the two thieves on the cross. Are you a victim or are you a victor? The victim says, I don't deserve this. Get me down off the cross. Take yourself down. You're the son of God. We don't deserve this. And Josh, like you said, with love, no, you don't realize that if I take myself down off this cross, that you're going to be in hell. You have no hope. I have no hope. 
no, it's good for me to be here because I'm willingly doing this. I'm not coming down because that's not the best thing for you. It's not the best thing for me. It's not the best thing for, for y'all. So I'm not coming down. I'm doing this for mankind so that you can have the opportunity to be saved by having faith in me. So the one side obligation, the other side submission. And you tell me that in your life, you haven't played the victim and you start, like you said, all right, everybody stop complaining because this is affecting me and I don't want this and I don't like this. And did Messiah complain like this? Why am I complaining? Am I getting, oh, I'm not getting my way. This isn't going, I thought this was going to be easy. Like there's something tied to it and you, you have to make the, well, you don't have to, but you should want to make the effort to really in practice, just more of those moments of, okay, take a deep breath. Let me, let me think about the situation because am I a victim here? Because if I'm a victor and I have victory in Messiah, what do I have to complain about? What do I have to get frustrated about? What do I have that I deserve hell and I'm going to be spared from that? What in the world is there? And when I say this, setting your mind in it and then walking in practice, because you have to continually realize these things as they come up. But what do we really deserve? We deserve hell. We don't deserve the kingdom of God because we were sinners from birth. What do we deserve other than hell? But in Messiah, we will have the benefit of eternal life. Now, Messiah, (coughs) Messiah deserved eternal life in the kingdom because he was innocent. He did not sin. So for him, he does deserve to be in the kingdom. Did he deserve to get beaten and tortured the way that he did? That's what we deserve. And he took that for us. So each person must ultimately be crucified. Make sure that if you're crucified with Christ, that you are the thief that was on the right side, which had that humble submission and not the one that had the pride and the resentment and the arrogance and the selfishness to curse him and say, take us off this cross. We don't deserve it. Why don't you save our lives and yourself? Well, that's not the heart that Yah's looking at, looking at. They're looking at the one that wants to be pleasing to them. And even Messiah's own words, no greater love is this. That's a pretty profound statement that then someone who lays down their life, because what can you give God? People may say, (laughs) You can give your everything. You can give your life willfully, and Yah will accept that. But, and I think it might have been us talking that what is, what could you give God? What could you give them that they would accept that they don't already have? Like, what could you give them other than walking as Messiah did? That here I am, oh God, I've come to do your will. That there's no money you could give them. There's no riches because everything comes from them anyway. What can you give to, I think it was the song we listened to, like as a, what could I give to a king? I just give you a hallelujah. I give you praise and gratitude. I give you thanksgiving. What else could I give you that you don't already have? You're, you're perfect. So what are you going to, I'll give you $10 billion. And it's like, what is money to me? Like money's nothing. Like I've, I'm in a place where there's no death that, that what is money? Uh, what, but what can you give God other than what they want, which is you giving your life willfully 
just like their son, because, and you had mentioned this, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. This is my beloved son or daughter in whom I'm well pleased. So those in Messiah are well pleasing to God because you're walking as a uh, man or woman, as you're walking as Messiah did, they see Messiah and they're well pleased. So, and we had talked about this last night, if you're looking for the attaboy or, cause I like from my background, I like it when somebody would say good job or, but the, the ultimate attaboy or atta girl is well done, good and faithful servant at the end that we should be focused on not looking to get accolades here, but to get the crown of life, which is ultimately the eternal life to be with God forever um, in that circumstance. We'll just had a couple of thoughts, just a few. Um, one of the things that came to mind when you're talking about going through that aspect of sacrifice, thought that came to mind for sacrifice, you're either sacrificing one way or the other. There's no middle ground. You're either sacrificing your life because you truly desire to, to live a life of Yusha, a life that's pleasing to Yah, or you're sacrificing the life Yahusha lived to live the life you desire to live. There's no middle ground. It is one or the other. So sacrifice is going to happen. It just depends on what side you're sacrificing to that's going to be a benefit or a detriment to you. So that's that's one thing that came to mind. And the other thing that when you made the comment, you know, what could we give to Yah? We can give them a, a child that becomes an adult and lives a life that embodies everything they are. I mean, I'm a dad. I have a two-year-old. I know you're a dad. And no greater pleasure in my life than would be to see my daughter grow up in this faith, believe this faith, follow this faith, gain circumcision of the heart, and then have a child of her own to continue that down the road. There's nothing else that would give my life more meaning since it's already I'm already with Yah than for my daughter to gain salvation. That would that's if that ha- when that happens, I'm going to speak that into existence. When that happens, I'm I'm fine. I, I'm totally fine. Yah can take me whenever to see my daughter gain salvation or gain the the inheritance of salvation. Hope of salvation. Yeah. To see that, I'd be fine. That, that, that'd be the, there'd be, to me, there'd be nothing else other than to just pass on and be with Yah at that point, to be in a place waiting for Yah. So those things came to mind that they feel the same way for us. There is nothing greater we can give them than circumcision of the heart for us, which is a life lived in them, now knowing that continuing in this, we've gained a son or a daughter. For eternity. That's the greatest gift we can give them. And that's all they want. That's their true desire. So that was coming to mind when you're thinking about that. And I was like, wow, that that's a really simple concept. And to quote something that came through Phil, very simple concepts of what we've talked about. It's all in the mind. But practice is what makes that perfecting. And if you're not practicing it, every opportunity that comes up, then you're going 
to fail at it. I can't wake up one day, again, lifestyle change, and say, Sean, I'm just as good a trumpet player as you are. Yep, I woke up this morning, decided I'm going to play trumpet, and I'm as good as you. That, that would make me happy. There's no way that's going to happen. Just like you couldn't wake up and be like, oh, Josh, I'm going to go rock climbing with this week, and I'm going to be at your level of rock climbing when we go. I've just decided that. No, because you haven't been through all the struggle that it took me to learn how to rock climb in the falls and all the knots and how to the techniques, just like I didn't learn all that stuff with you when it came to trumpet, how to hold your lips, how to tighten them, how to play the chords. I don't know any of that. It's all muscle memory for you because of practice. And practice, you make errors to gain better understanding of what you're doing to become better. You have to make what we would consider an error to see, oh, this did not work this way. I need to make a change so I can get better in an area. And that's something we talked about earlier, very earlier on in this podcast. I spoke about today making a comment at work. Well, the moment that left my mouth, I was already thinking by saying this, I'm complaining. And I wasn't thinking that ahead of time. Otherwise, I wouldn't have said it. But that's the correction. The moment I said it, I was like, and I'm going to be quiet and just take that back and wish I could pull that right out of thin air because right back to myself and just walked away and focused on not doing that for the rest of the day. And again, continual process and not complaining. But that's that's what we're talking about. It's the lifestyle change to practice perfecting that lifestyle. That's all. So things that just come to mind when we were talking about sacrificing that one or the other, sacrificing Yusha's life for your own selfish gain or sacrificing your selfish life for a selfless gain of living a lifestyle of Yusha. So, well, the one that gains their life will lose it. But the one who lays down their life for my sake we'll take it back up again. You'll find it. And I just had this thought and we've had a really good conversation. We'll end on this. Think about the marriage you had mentioned that the written code was put in place so that we could be married to sin, that we couldn't get away from the consequence of the sin because the written code that the only place that we could be righteous is in the mind. We couldn't be righteous in the heart that the only thing we could do is, I agree with the law of God and that's what I'm going to do. But in the heart, because sin is there, we're condemned to where we're, we're married to it. The, the written code that that's the power of sin, that that's what keeps sin increasing in, in, in abundance. But as the word says in Romans that you become dead to the law, not the law of God, but the written code, you become dead to the law through the body of Christ so that you can be married to another because we were married to sin but when we get away from it, because that's obligation, we're obligated to fulfill the law because that's the only way you could be righteous is to be fulfill the whole law. And we can't do that. So we need help. So in Messiah, we transfer to the spirit of the law, which sin is taken out of the, the heart and put in the body of flesh. And now a mother can come in who is the spirit, the spirit of the law. Now we can be married we can be joined to Messiah because no sin can be a part of Messiah. So you're either going to be married to the written code or you're going to be married to Messiah, the spirit of it. And if you remain with sin in your heart at the judgment, 
then we're going to throw the trash out because that cannot enter my son and my kingdom. So the law is good. It's just where you are in the law. Are you under law, which brings condemnation? Or are you in the spirit of the law, which is willful submissive, which brings life? So it's really a transfer of one to the other, but you can only do that with the help of God. You can't walk in the spirit of the law and have no sin without the help of God. So that's what it's talking about when it says that the worshiper that Abba is looking for is the one that worships in spirit and in truth. Well, you can't worship in spirit when you have sin. How are you going to worship God when you've got sin in your heart? That the ultimate pleasure is no sin because then we can have relationship because there's no division anymore. So, and it's a, a process, but Joshua, do you have anything else to, to add before we, cause we're, it's a really good conversation. We could keep going for another, who knows how long, but any thoughts before we conclude? Just, I thought the cool aspect that we've talked about different steps in faith to the different progressions and finally having Yah bring out a, good understanding that we could or we all could at least relate to at some point to understand what it is to truly fear Yah. That was um a, a real gift from them tonight because when they brought that out to me, I was like, wow, that makes perfect sense to understand from a child's mind that terror aspect. So anyone seeking Yah to learn, okay, well what should I be looking for to fear Yah? Because that was one of the things I struggled with was how do I learn to fear Yah and giving that that very key piece of information from here on out and just seeing the aspects of how they lay things out. It's just beautiful. So that was a real gift that I, I think that they gave you tonight, which was a real, they, we talk about those nuggets. That was one of them. So I was grateful to get that because I'm going to make sure that one's a treasure. Oh, certainly. Well, as we go here, we've got quite a few people that uh, I noticed that Phila did this. This was really kind of neat. All um, And we don't, I don't know these people, but Jan knows who they are. Um, we really appreciate it. looks like Logan. Uh, looks like the Roar Hour. Um, I think some kind of alias. I can't read that. Um, Mike Leon 7. Um, I'll just say HH Wata. We appreciate you listening in. And, and really, even more importantly, take this information. Uh, whenever, if you've listened to the podcast before or in the future, really take it in and evaluate it and and. I just, I plead that do not just listen to this and just say, it sounds good. And that's what the truth is. Evaluate it with the word of God, talk to God about it, look into the scriptures and you'll see that it is true. But uh, we are called by God to do this because we want to do it, but to share their truth in a Socratic method, not about arguing, complaining, but just speaking truth uh, boldly as we should. So uh, we do have a email address, which is hidden treasures revealed at AOL.com. And we also have a Facebook page, hidden treasures revealed. If you have any questions or comments, uh, at times we'll have posts on there, but Josh, it was a pleasure being with you. Enjoyed the conversation. And, um, yeah, really gave us a lot of really good information. And, um, so typically our next podcast are on Saturdays and we'll see, uh, Lord willing, um, you know, planning on being back with you Saturday. So, as me and Josh leave the air tonight, uh, we appreciate you listening in and y'all just ask that you be with the people that were listening in and really speak to them and help them and guide them in all of your truth. And Josh, have a good evening and we'll, we'll depart for now. Everybody take care. Thank you for joining us today on Hidden Treasures Revealed. We want to leave you with this thought. 
The greatest treasure in life, and especially in faith, is discovery. If we try to convince you of things, you may gain head knowledge, but if we let you discover things, you will have heart knowledge to know and understand and be able to give a good answer for the faith that you have. Treasure hunters seek treasure nonstop. Seek the treasure of God through conversation with them and through their word. Ask, seek, and knock. Ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Seek the hidden treasure of God, and you will be blessed by it.